Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to Let Freedom Reign podcast. This week we have an amazing Canadian cowgirl, Kateri Cowley. Kateri grew up on the Rafter 6 Ranch in Alberta, made her way to Texas to apprentice in the cutting horse industry, and spent some time working with horses in the movie and TV world. In 2009, Kateri was crowned the Calgary Stampede Princess, and in this episode, Kateri develops many of the challenges faced in that year. Towards the end of the episode, Kateri shares a moving parabolic story about working a horse in the round pen and her relationship with Christ. To follow more of what Kateri has going on, you can find her on Instagram at Kateri underscore Cowley. That's K-A-T-E-R-I underscore C-O-W-L-E-Y. You can find her on Facebook under Kateri Cowley or visit rafter6.com. That's R-A-F-T-E-R-S-I-X dot com. As always, we hope this show provides a little value and positive change in your perspective. Should you feel so compelled, please write us a review. Give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. You can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. We hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is our conversation with Canadian horsewoman, Kateri Cowley. Well, since Heart of the Horse, I've been keeping busy at the ranch. My husband and I have been cleaning up the property and I've also been so fortunate to learn so much from my parents, uh, especially my mom, who continues to be a pillar of strength and inspiration. It's been a challenging winter for sure, but I'm sure we'll get into some of the details. But overall, we've been doing really well. It's a, I don't know how the weather is where you guys are at, but for us, we had probably like four days of actual winter and we're already in the 60s and 70s again. And the grass is growing really, really fast. So you talk about maintenance. Um, with every minute that I spend podcasting, I am losing a lot of time mowing grass and getting caught up with, with all the things growing, right? With ranch and spring and <laughs> the chore list just gets longer and longer and longer and longer. Oh, boy. Well, I don't, where are boats are you at? So we're in the central part of California. Um, we're about an hour... <laughs> About an hour 15 east of San Francisco and just south of Sacramento by about an hour. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're definitely in very different uh, yes. areas because yes. uh, I'm up in the Canadian Rockies and, and we've got about three feet of snow uh, still. I was so. going to say, it probably gets a touch colder <laughs> up there than it does down here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's been beautiful though lately. Uh, we haven't had a snowstorm in a couple days at least. And yeah. <laughs> beautiful is an understatement i'll tell you when we were up at heart of the horse that was my first trip to canada and uh after the event ended monday we took off and drove to british columbia and ended in vancouver but to drive through banff and along the highways and to see the glaciers and the mountains and everything it was just sites that i've i mean you see them on like postcards or in books or on online right but to see it in person is just incredible and for those of you that get to call that home what an absolute blessing <laughs> yeah you would have drove right past my place because we we're about 30 minutes east of bounce so. oh no kidding yeah yeah so we're right at the base of the rocky mountains and yeah it's it is uh we we're very blessed to be here for sure yeah yeah it's yeah. good stuff probably a far prettier site i live in the middle of ag co country so everything's dead flat <laughs> oh well but you get nice weather oh that's so. true that is true i guess with uh with anything comes sacrifice right 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good stuff. So um, I want to thank you, obviously, for coming on. And it's, it's been many months in the making uh, to try to get our schedules to align and, and for you to set a little time aside and, and us to get together and record this show. But uh, I start every show going kind of through the guest history and, and kind of how you got your start with your horses and who you are to give listeners a little context as to who you are. So if you don't mind, let's start with with your early workings with the horse and, and kind of where you grew up and, and how life started for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I was actually born and raised at uh, a, a tourist guest ranch um, called Rafter Six Ranch. And, you know, this has been my whole life, really, uh, in the nutshell. It's... Um, uh, a guest ranch, obviously, and we have had up to 80 some horses uh, oh, at wow. one time. And, uh, we take out trail rides in the Rocky Mountains. And, you know, just our passion is really to share the Western lifestyle with people from all over the world. So this is how I was raised. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I guess I, I like to say I was raised by a herd of horses and, and uh, guests from all over the world, <laughs> some people on vacation. <laughs> what an incredible so, learning pool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I uh, was fortunate to, you know, get to meet so many people. I always said I, I got to travel the world without leaving the ranch. That's um, a pretty because, good financial decision. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I have friends from everywhere. Um, you know, it's amazing how you can just spend an, an hour or two hours with somebody and just uh, make a friend for life. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it's awesome that the when you talk about the Western way of life, and it's just that. I mean, I think of all the traveling that we've done, just in our pursuit of horsemanship, and there's very few places that we can go in North America where you can't make a phone call and stop in for the night or grab a hot meal with somebody somewhere, you know, and it's just. The the overwhelming sense of community in in the Western industry, I think, far surpasses uh, any other industry going now. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's just a super special group of people that mm -hmm. we have, and 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 also on top of that, I guess I I've been able to talk to a lot of people that aren't in the horse industry that they're just you know yeah. wanting to see the mountains from a different point of view, and and uh, uh, yeah, it's it's so amazing how you can just connect with people and and share that with people too maybe you spark some interest in a different level absolutely it's a it's an incredible opportunity mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it's been it's been a lot of fun too um you know like uh my my family has been you know it's it's my family run ranch so um you know, I have two brothers and uh, a younger sister and another sister as well. And uh, we've, uh, you know, we all have had our different uh, positions in the ranch. But my oldest brother and I, we were mostly the ones that were staying with the horses. And uh, my oldest brother, his name is David Cowley. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's he's pretty, pretty renowned as well. He did uh, some pretty amazing stunts and actually did a TV show with um, him crossing this huge glass bridge in Lake Louise that's like I don't know thousands of foot drop and uh with his horse and uh just was absolutely incredible the trust and the uh partnership that they have too um and he and he's a great teacher too he loves sharing that knowledge with people I was gonna say to think of all the 
of all the challenges people have in working with horses, right? I mean, it's a difficult thing to get a human and a horse to align uh, from a communication standpoint. And for mm-hmm. your brother to to take on that accomplishment, I mean, heck, people have a hard time getting their horse into a trailer or across the <laughs> across the puddle, and, and here he is walking a glass bottom bridge over over a huge lake. Uh, it's just, it's a huge testament to to his desire and passion and, and care for the animal. Absolutely, yeah, and and he he really is good at sharing that knowledge too. So, heck yeah, good stuff. So <laughs> yeah. this family run ranch has kind of been the epicenter, obviously, of your family, you guys have, have ventured out in your own challenges and, and own pursuits or endeavors. But I guess for you, um, obviously, there's always been the ranch, but but how have horses always been either your education or your profession? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I've been so lucky to uh, have been able to travel so many different places. Um, and working with horses, like I, I got to I guess if I gave a little bit more of a rundown and a brief history, mm-hmm. um, when uh, when I was 17, I went to Olds College and took the equestrian science program there. And uh, there I went from being a trail riding um, to more of a performance horse trainer. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and which actually was a good, you know, like the trail riding is amazing. I, I think it's a, an incredible way to train horses because you have to have, like you said, so much trust and, yes. and be able to cross anything. And, uh, you know, there might be a bear in front of you and you just have to, your horse has to trust you so much more than, than being just in an arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Olds College gave me a really great foundation with, with arena work because when I went there, I didn't even know it a lead change was, um, <laughs> I just thought, you know, like horses, yeah. they just get to pick what they want to yeah, do. So. It's their choice. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So here we was the young 17 year old and, uh, going to college and, um, I, I loved it. I was, uh, found cutting horses was probably one of my next biggest passion in, uh, in the horsemanship. And also I did some breakaway roping and some rodeo uh, steer riding and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. all, all of those cross training, everything that you can do. I always encourage people as much as you can, um, learn from different, uh, subjects or, or, um, I guess professions of horsemanship is, is going to be beneficial because there's things I learned from steer riding that I still use to date. It's incredible. The diversity, when you really get down to horsemanship, right. in it's, in its core, it covers every single discipline you could ever imagine. And like you said, that's that's been my approach too. At first, uh, my passion was very linear, right? I had a specific goal, but the more I pursue this horsemanship deal, the more I want to broaden those horizons and reach out to the various disciplines because there's just so much to experience with the horse. They're such a versatile animal. It's It's unbelievable. Oh yeah. And that, that's the best part about horses too, is you can never know enough. Like yeah, I always say, yeah. if you know too much, then you better quit because you're yeah. about to get hurt. Yeah. Forever <laughs> so, a student. That's what I tell people. Forever yeah. a student. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's one of the wonderful things about horses that I think that, that hold us, you know, cause you can never know enough mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for you, yeah. was, was Olds College kind of the transition when you were first introduced to horsemanship or, or what was that pivotal experience? Yeah, I, I guess like um, 
I I can't say it was my first introduction because, like I said, I was born with uh, mm-hmm. uh, horses and, and was raised by a large herd of horses and was always around wranglers and they were always teaching me stuff. Um, but I guess the um, uh, that kind of brought a different aspect into the performance level of it and uh, and I uh, kind of opened another door because then I started reaching for um, the performance side. And cutting horses really draw, drew me in. And so where, where else better to go for cutting horses than the heart of cutting horse country? I and, say there's a little place in Texas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's several little places in Texas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I found myself down there doing an apprenticeship program. And, um, well, not really a program. I just kind of made it up myself, really. And mm-hmm. uh, was working with some some really amazing um, cutting horse trainers. Uh, I don't know if you want to know who they were, but um, I uh, I started off as a loper. I was just helping out loping. And then in no time I was, you know, at the maturity and starting two-year-old colts. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun and I was only there for six months. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's amazing for me. Uh, I was riding at a place in Texas and, uh, my mentor was on rain cow horse and I mean, just bombing through the arena and the horse is just burying his backside and just the most athletic specimen I've ever seen on a horse. And <laughs> so we just got to talking and I'm like, God, like how much time you got into that horse? And he looked over and he said, well, he's only three. I said, Jesus, to get a three-year-old animal to perform the way that animal performed, it's just incredible to, to watch how willing and how passionate the horse was about their job. Oh yeah. It's amazing. And they're so, so talented. It's really, yeah. truly yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Texas incredible. was only six months for you. Yeah, it was an incredible six months, though. There was times where, oh my goodness, there, um, there, it wasn't always pretty. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it sounds like a really great uh, time, but there was there was one time where I was kind of homeless, actually. So <laughs> I was sleeping out of my car and uh, and just working trying to find people to work for and and yeah. then you know until i found my big break i guess and and uh uh that's where you know i kind of found out a little bit about who i am really and what i'm capable of and and uh you know that i have a little bit more toughness i guess cowgirl toughness yeah, than i thought yeah, absolutely so. i think those moments are the ones they're the moments that offer you and not only you as an individual, but I'm talking about people in general, right? Those tough moments are, are when you're tested, right? And you find out how much do you really love something? How passionate are you really about it? Because it, it's fun. It's easy to do things, right? When it's fun and everything's going your way. But when your back's against the wall and, and you have to look in the mirror for those answers, uh, there's a lot of soul searching that gets done at that point. Oh, yes, absolutely. This is the story of my life, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's, I think you ha- learn the hardest lessons or the best lessons are learned in the hardest times. Yeah. 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 So how, I'd like to develop that experience a little bit more, right? You described, uh, virtually being homeless, living out of your car. What, what for you carried you through those moments? Cause it probably would have been real easy to just fill up the tank and head home. Yeah, that that definitely was an option. But you know what, at the same time, as much as I it, it wasn't, it never felt like an option, because I went there for a reason. 
And I, and I just felt like I had to fulfill that. Like I, mm-hmm. I had to mm-hmm. stick with it and I knew that I could. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that I was, you know, I, I was able to. So, um, it was one of like, I, I was young and, uh, determined and so ready to, you know, just to, to give it everything I had. And, and it took a lot out of me. It did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, I, like I said, I, 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 I just waited and I found uh, a really wonderful, um, family that to work for. And, uh, I, I worked for quite a few horse trainers down there actually. And it was, um, yeah, it was the one that I ended with that was the best for sure. So I would assume you're, you're probably in the Weatherford Millsap area of Texas, kind of north, north central Texas. Is that where you landed? Uh, well, I, I started out in Ennis, a little town called Ennis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't even know where that is on the map <laughs> if you try to ask me. <laughs> uh, and I'm then find I. Uh, it right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, so, so I worked for a trainer there. And uh, after that, I went to um, uh, Stephenville. Yes. And then I, I finally wound up in uh, Burleson. Okay. Yeah, just south of Fort Worth. So Ennis is south of Dallas, just just in case you ever were to revisit. Now you know you can fly into <laughs> Dallas. You'll be good there. Just a short drive south. Um <laughs> I, I want to talk about, so, I mean, the area is saturated with phenomenal horses, right? And mm-hmm. you talk about just driving down and giving it a shot. How did you find success in that and not get kind of lost in the weeds with the amount of people trying to break into that industry? Uh, you know, I I, um, I had a really good mentor. So somebody that used to work for us when I was really young, uh, his name was Shorty. And, uh, he, I was maybe eight years old when he worked at the ranch and, and he was maybe one of the kind of people that really just inspire you in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was probably the first person to really believe in me professionally as a horseman. And so when, and he lived in Texas at the time. So when I had graduated from olds, um, he offered to, to help me and find a, a place to work for. And, uh, so it, it was, it was pretty simple because he was an amazing horseman on his own and he had broke into that industry. So he really gave me a leg up, um, in a sense to, to give me, get me a start anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then from there, it's just working ranch to ranch or how did you, how did you end with this family that was so influential? Um, yeah, so, I, I was working with that fellow in Ennis and, uh, we went to the fraternity and he did excellent. He was really, really a uh, talented horseman. Um, and he, uh, but the, the problem was, is that I, I would have probably stayed working there, but, um, I was living in his stock trailer, uh, which had uh, on like horse blankets <laughs> and, um, Working at the futurity uh, for 20 hours riding, uh, loping, and then had, you know, just a few hours of sleep and then back at it again. I, I, uh, I can't tell you how many pairs of jeans I ripped through. It, it was absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think that people could ride like that for 20 hours. I, I, it hit me a different level of exhaustion and, um, 
uh, like I couldn't get off. Well, especially when your even. background is the trail ride, right? I mean, it's leisurely, yeah. it's enjoying, <laughs> joyful, you know, and right. Yeah. I mean, you're wearing yeah. out denim in Texas, like it's going out of style. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, so it was, it, that kind of was really hard for me um, to, to make that change. But uh, when I, when I left there, I, I was very appreciative because like I say, he was very talented. I uh, left there and went to work for another trainer because I was, I guess they were like, oh, well, we'll, we'll uh, treat you better than that. And we'll do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, the old sales pitch, the, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the promises, right? And yeah. uh worked there for a couple weeks and seen some things I didn't like so much. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I had to turn away from there. And that's where I was kind of left um, living out of my car. And that would have been an easy time to come home. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, at, uh, up until that point, I really didn't have um, a good experience. And uh, uh, I, I met this family that, you know, they were they were so kind. They welcomed me into their home. And like you said earlier, you know, just amazing how horsemen can really, you know, lift a person up. Yes. And so they, they welcomed me, uh, virtually a stranger, welcomed me into their home and said, you know, we know a guy. <laughs> So, um, and, uh, yeah, wound up in, in Burleson and it was this, um, uh, older couple. He had already made all his awards and fraturity wins and everything. So he had nothing to prove. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and he was like, you know, I, uh, he just kind of took me under his wing and the staff were all, you know, really happy with him. And so it was, it was pretty cool to, to end up there, especially with his, you know, right when you're ready, ready to give up and having that new sense of, uh, lifting, I guess. I from say, somebody. Just, yeah. Such a breath of fresh air. You know, you go there with high hopes and dreams and have less than desirable experiences at first. And, and it could definitely knock the wind out of your sails, but for you to, I have huge respect for you to, to stick with it. Right. And, and put yourself in a good position and lo and behold, you end up with a, a phenomenal experience that, that kind of changes the way you look at horses. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it was it was a huge um, uh, a huge change in my life for sure. And uh, but you know the ranch after six had a boomerang effect on me. So I was I was so happy to come home too. Like uh, I could have stayed, but I was very happy to come home and yeah. and uh, implement some of my new knowledge out here. And that kind of led me into the um, into the movie industry. I would say you're still working with performance horses. It's just a lot different context. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was it was fun to kind of open it up into another world of, um, you know, wrangling on the movies. It's it's totally not what it looks like on yeah. the show. Yeah. So it it's a uh, it's pretty neat to see what kind of horse training you have to keep on developing to get into that industry too. I've always been fascinated. Uh, I was very uneducated to the profession. Uh, prior to talking with uh, Nikki Flunder as a previous guest, Dan James as well, and both of them, right, have extensive history in, in TV and movies and working with horses. And it puts a whole new level of respect on liberty work, right, and the discipline and even the writing that goes on for, in my opinion, right, for a movie staff or production team, right, they're going to place all this emphasis on a horse or all these demands on a horse, and the production crew has no knowledge of what it takes to actually achieve that. I mean, it's a lot of pressure. 
on the horseman's <laughs> yeah. part, right, to to get that shot, right? Because there's hundreds of thousands of dollars that goes into some of these productions for for a snapshot of time to get this horse to perform correctly. Yeah, and it's amazing when you talk about Nikki Flunder and uh, Dan James. Uh, they're you know those those guys are really top notch. I, yeah. I've had the opportunity to work with Dan James too, and. Um, I was forever amazed and changed by that experience too. Yeah. So and how, I, I know he he helped um, Nikki, I believe, as well. Yeah, I was going to say. So, so what were your first experiences in the kind of movie TV side of, of horses and horsemanship? My very first was uh, probably when I was nine years old. Oh, I wow. got to be a stunt double for Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. How funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. And it's so funny because nowadays when I tell kids that, they're like, who? Who? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they did a, um, a movie at, at our ranch called How the West Was Fun. And uh, yeah, so I got to be their stunt double and skip school and make 20 bucks for the day. It was yeah. exciting. I'm yeah. sorry, you're living large at that point. <laughs> Yeah, oh, for sure. It's hooked since then. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. So did you, with that early experience, did you know that you wanted to spend time with horses in the movie and, and TV industry? Or or is this kind of something that just with the ebb and flow of life, by chance, you circle back? Uh, yeah, I'd have to say it was more the ebb and flow of life um, that kind of brought me back. I I uh, became really good friends with an amazing stunt woman, and she uh, encouraged me on a on a whole other level to get into stunt work and uh, wrangling, and and just kind of mentored me along in that as well. And uh, you know, I, it really changed my my way of seeing things for sure. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. We got to work alongside um, stars like Brad Pitt and uh casey affleck and uh then also josh hartnett and samuel jackson and um yeah and then it kind of took a weird spin after that and i was doing um like reality tv shows uh from all over like especially england um uh for some reason had a great interest in the western way of life and Mm um yeah and then just uh finally ended up you know working on shows like heartland too and and heartland's been awesome i i absolutely love that show because it just uh you know brings it it uh, hits me on a few different levels there's of course the horsemanship the family ranch Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh you know the the amount of tourism it brings it's great (laughs) so yeah I, i get to meet people that are so passionate about the show and they come out to the rocky mountains to experience a little bit for themselves so yeah because it's not every day you get to talk to a stunt woman who is a horsewoman as well. What goes into to your job, right, on any given set? Or what is kind of some of the typical tasks so we have a better understanding of what goes into your job or those jobs that you were doing? Um, oh, gosh. Well, I, I wish I could answer that question really simply, but um, every show is so different. So sometimes you have to train for like weeks before for a certain stunt. And then other times you just show up and you're, you know, it's, it's relatively simple. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you know, for the most part, like the, the, like 
it's easy on a stunt because you never really get to see my face. <laughs> so you can't, can't identify who can't I am. Can't pin it on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then when you get into some other shows that really kind of emphasize your personality, then, you know, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Like the re- reality shows. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you kind of, they, they want to see a little bit more of who, not, um, not what, but who is behind that yeah, cowboy hat. Yeah. So, so what, in your experience, what have been some of more of your memorable performances, uh, in working in this industry as a stunt woman? Holy smokes. Um, I've never thought about that really. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I, I guess. It's more the after effect that uh, that gets me because I usually have people that I know or don't know even will come in and say that they see me on such and such a show or they yeah. recognize me yeah. from there. And which always shocks me because I, I don't have that kind of face recognition. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't remember people yeah. <laughs> that well. So um but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting for sure to to hear the after effects is usually that's the most memorable part. I was gonna say it was it was kind of odd for me the first time I was on a television show. Uh the production crew said, Hey, you know, you, we'll let you know when it airs and we had just fallen out of contact because you know, just life goes on. You move on to the next chapter, the next adventure, or whatever it was, and then I was sitting in bed one night and all of a sudden my phone just starts blowing up with text messages and it's all these screenshots of of the episode that it was supposed to air. And I'm like, it's kind of awkward to think like you have all these hopes and dreams and you want to make an impact in the industry. And, and never did I think I would get an opportunity to be on television and talk about horsemanship. But, uh, uh, it was very surreal moment to have a production company and, and a brand believing you to the point that they want you to represent it on TV. I mean, it's, it's pretty special, I think. Oh yeah. Very humbling. Very humbling. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Good for you. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. So are we at the point when I, I know all of this TV and movie stuff kind of circled back and you talk about the boomerang effect of the ranch, but uh, your family has quite the history with the stampede. Can we go into some of that and, and your experiences? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, oh my goodness. My, well, the stampede is like my other home. Yeah, uh, It's been something that's influenced me mm, my whole life. It was uh I can remember being a young girl. So talking about like dreams as a young girl, mm-hmm. um, wanting to be like the stampede royalty. It was the, uh, the biggest, I guess to me was one of the biggest things that you could do, um, yeah. to be the representative and, of the Calgary stampede. And, uh, I did reach that dream. Uh, in 2009, I was, uh, crowned the stampede princess and, uh, it was an incredible year, uh, for sure. But on top of that, there was, um, you know, my dad just celebrated his 80th consecutive Calgary Stampede Parade wow. where he was riding in it. Yeah. So, Holy <laughs> smokes. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And he still rides in it. So he's, you I'm know, I'm hoping to just get 80 years out of life, period. Let <laughs> <laughs> yeah. alone be horseback and participating in something as grandiose as the stampede. Yeah, well, come ride with us. We'll, yeah, no we'll take you up on there. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh yeah, my my whole family, uh, we've always been um pretty influenced by it. And also it's our busiest time of year. It's like uh exciting as Christmas really. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. me it's just uh, it's mind-boggling how 
big that event is. I mean, not not just the rodeo, but I mean everything else that goes on in the parades and festivals and demonstrations and I mean it's oh, yeah. huge production. Yeah, it's it, it really is amazing and there's no way to see everything. Like there's just no way mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. I've been going mm-hmm. my whole life and I still haven't seen everything. So <laughs> uh yeah, I always find myself more attracted to some of the the traditional cowboy stuff and they have like the western event center where uh they do like some of the cutting and uh working cow horse and hackamore and um of course the cowboy up challenge which is uh just celebrated its 10th anniversary wow. uh last year so mm-hmm. and that one that one also strikes a big uh uh interest for me um i was actually when it when it first came to Canada, I know it's a little bit older in the states. Um, mm-hmm. Called extreme cowboy racing. Yeah. When it first came to Canada, I was actually the very first person to win a Canadian race. Oh, look at and, you! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that was that was so uh, fun. Like it, it kind of combined everything I knew. You know, like yeah. the the trail riding aspects of all the different obstacles that you would meet in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. along with, uh, the, uh, you know, the performance side of the arena. So it kind of combined it all for me. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I, I fell in love with the sport. It's, it's so fun and, and you get, get a little bit of your own flair in there too. So you can get a little bit fancy and, and, uh, in 2014, I was the first woman to, to win the stampede. Wow. And, um, uh, then also, uh, still, I, I don't want to like sound puffed up or anything, but it was, <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty big accomplishment for this little, um, ranching cowgirl. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Some princess winning the stampede. So it was well, it's such a cool. huge stage, you know? And, and so we've had, uh, Keely Stewart was a previous guest, right? And she just finished time as, as uh, stampede royalty and, she talked about similar experiences, you know, and just growing up on the ranch and never really had hopes or dreams of, of doing the royalty thing and on any level. Um, but what a catalyst it was, right. To be put on such a big stage and it, it gives you such, such a voice in the industry. It, it forces you right with the amount of appearances and speaking engagements and things like that. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's completely life changing and, oh. You know, that's probably, uh, if I had to really tell you a story, that that's probably where my challenges really started. Um, you know, I, I never had such a, a challenging year mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. as my as my princess year. Um, and I even ended up doing an entire TED Talks based on that year. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, um, it was great. Like, uh but I think it was what happened behind the scenes that really was the challenge. I, I lost a lot of friends and family that year, um, like that had passed away. There was seven, seven total that year and that were oh very close goodness. to me. Yeah. And it was this really, um, it was really, really hard because I, I was grieving so much inside yet. I, I felt this, huge need to fulfill what I had dreamt about because you only get one shot at this. Yeah. And so like some sometimes I would be, you know, so just deadened inside, but I would be able to, you know, put that crown on and 
and a smile on my face and just go into those events and and nobody would know the difference you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. um and it it did some weird things to my psyche <laughs> um and uh you know I, I was so thankful for having the distraction of um you know going into those events but at the end of when I when I ended up passing the crown on which was inevitable yes um reality kind of struck and I I I actually went into this depression even and uh it was a really um a whole nother I don't know level of low that I've never seen before and Mm. you know you know even being challenged with Texas had nothing compared to it so um I, uh, I, I found that, um, I, I had to take the time to grieve that. Um, but also I, I learned so much more about, well, about life in general. And it just, that was probably one of the most life-changing events in my, in my entire life, uh, or life-changing years, I guess, because it all happened in one year. It's it's incredible when you describe the story, right? And and having conversations with Keely previously, uh, and understanding the demand that is put on you, right, in that year, just for the sake of of the stampede, right? And then to deal with everything that you're dealing with, quote unquote, outside the lines. Um, I had a very similar experience growing up. Uh, not that I was a rodeo uh, princess or queen, um, but. <laughs> uh, I played baseball growing up and towards the end of high school, earlier part of my college career, uh, several teammates and close family friends uh, died for various reasons, right? Uh, Traumatic Mm -hmm. accident, illness, suicide, things of that sort. Mm -hmm. And baseball was that release for me that you described, right? When I could go out on the field, I could just go out. It's physical. It's mentally engaging. I don't have to think about everything else, but... It's not until those quiet moments when baseball ended that you start circling back and thinking about a lot of these circumstances that have happened, you know, six, seven, eight years down the road in your life. And and that's when, for me, when I really started doing the soul searching thing, you think about all the stress and pressure that's put on you uh, with the passing of all your friends and family and, and the demands of you professionally, you know, that's a year's worth of time and a year's worth of stress and I think us as humans, we place this unrealistic, unrealistic expectation that, well, things will just get better overnight, you know, and it, it took you a year to maybe develop all that stress and pressure. Well, it's going to take a year. It might even take more, right, mm-hmm. to get you back to right. But we as humans need to be a lot more patient and compassionate for ourselves in the process mm-hmm. of recovery, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... uh you know, I, I think too is is knowing that you can't get through this alone. Like, yes. Um, and that that seems so uh, backwards because I, at those times you feel the most alone. Yes. Um, yes. And but, you don't want to burden people with your story or your sob story or whatever, right? Exactly. It yeah. feels like such a yeah. a yeah, like something you don't want to share, mm-hmm. like a bad flu or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's and, a time that you needed the most. Yeah, yeah. And and I found that um yeah, I I didn't really turn to people. In fact, I probably turned away more after that year. Um I kind of um went uh inner 
inside, mm-hmm. I guess. And, um, and then that's when I, I really started to notice that my horses had started to react to me differently. Um, they started to turn away from me and, uh, uh, I, I couldn't really understand why, um, because it was something that was always, you know, like it was always there. It was always there. Yeah. yeah. It was always my, my, familiarity I, of it. yeah. Like there's one thing I could count on and all of a sudden they just didn't want to have anything to do with me yeah. <laughs> probably because they could see what, what mm-hmm. I was going through mm-hmm. and that I was punishing myself for it. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it, it kind of, on one hand it, it, made me sadder but on the other hand it made me fight harder um because i I knew i i could had to get that back because that was the the core of me you know that was the only thing i could really understand and and uh you know so searching um for that again uh, i found it but in a different way that i i didn't i didn't really understand before so in look in looking back on that that chapter of life, you talk about fighting more, right? To to I guess re-engage the horse or have the horse re-engage you. Do you think you were doing it because you wanted to fix something that was wrong with your horses, or do you think you fought for it because you knew it was good for you and your growth? Yeah, uh, well, I knew that um, my horse was calling me out. He, yeah. he, he's been always my my best friend. Like I had him since I went to college, and um, you know, as a and he was a young horse, so um, he was calling me out on it. And for me to lose an, yet another best friend, um, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't bear it, yeah, and I knew enough. that I had to change. I, I had to change. And and listen, I I couldn't be the one speaking anymore. I had to I had to be the one that listened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, what for you were those early? What were those early steps in transition to to kind of get you back on the right path? Well, I guess um, there was this sim- It was so simple, but a really powerful message. And I was working with a young colt in the round pen, and I um. I love working with Colts because they're just so honest. Like they, they're not, you know, they're not told what they're to do yet. You know, they, yeah. they don't react the way you want them yeah. to react because they're so honest on what they believe. And, um, uh, it just kind of struck me in my place when I was working with this Colt who was so ornery and kept running away and, uh, um, kept fighting with me and, and it was like a moment where I realized that that was me actually he was a reflection of me is I was the one that was kept fighting and running away and scared and just everything that you don't want your horse to be yeah. and um, and it was like a moment where God really came into my life and, and just really spoke to me for the first time that I could really, truly like grab a hold of and say, yeah, that was the it. moment. Yeah. yeah. God, what yeah. a powerful experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it was like the, the horse kind of showed me what God has been trying to tell me for years. Like, you know, if you want to run, you can run. 
you can run in that round pen all day long. Or as fast as you want. Yeah. As well, yeah. And, and, and exactly what you do. But eventually, you know, like as soon as you take your eye off of that, um, out of trying to get away and you look in just mm-hmm. the glance inward mm-hmm. and you look towards the center and, and it's like, that's when things start to get easier. And, you know, and then you're, you know, you kind of want to be like, no, 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 just keep on my own path. Yes. I'm doing my thing and I don't need anybody to tell me what to do and I'll keep on running and I'll keep fighting and I'll, and, you know, turning my back on you. And it's like, but then you kind of get a little bit curious and you look in a little bit more and, and, and you're so tired of running all of a sudden, you're just so tired that you just, you need to stop. And so you stop running and you look in just a little bit more. What is in that center? Why is that, why is that being, you know, trying to tell me, I don't, I don't relate with this being, we're totally different. And, um, but there's something that's really just drawing you in and you can't really pinpoint it. But then all of a sudden you, when you, when you just almost give in just a little bit more and you turn, you turn towards it, then life gets like easier and, and not easier, but just all of a sudden you have someone that is there with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you, when you have that, finally you decide, you make that clear decision to join up and you come into the center and, and, and I'm talking like God is the center and you'd make that join up and it's like life has changed. And, and now you, you have to be obedient, but your, your life is never going to be the same again. And, you know, you can, go out of the round pen with this, you know, you, you experience so much more. You can go out into the mountains, you can cross the rivers and, and all only because you have a, a different rider, I guess, uh, someone who really truly loves you and has the best for you and, and someone you can hundred percent trust. It's an absolute incredible analogy. Uh, and I was so wrapped up in it that I almost forgot we we're uh, doing an interview. Um, <laughs> and I know we've briefly talked uh, off air. Uh, there is so much more of life that can be learned in a round pen. It's it's more than just starting a horse or working on a skill or maintaining a horse's focus, right? Or physical proximity if you're working, you know, with a horse. And all of those points that you make are just – it's so – so articulate and so true that there's so much more to horsemanship than just making a better horse. And, and if we, if we use some of those skills that we apply towards a horse, but actually look inward and apply them in our own lives, it's incredible. The freedom that starts to, to show its face. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just power and joy and, and, uh, you know, you reach new heights that you never even imagined. And I think you, I think what, what most resonated with me is that if you think about the round pen as us as a human, right, compartmentalizing our life and all of the life stressors and we're distracted by the outside, right? Things that are outside the pen, but when we focus in, right, and we become more Christ focused, right? Mm-hmm. When the door to that pen opens, 
you can take on the world and you can do it with far more fervor and far more confidence and and do it at a at a place of so much more clarity than when we try to take so much control of our own lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh gosh, if you even think about it, like if you open that gate and and let the horse out by itself without that connection. Yeah. You know, that horse is just going to go back to his friends and he's never going to leave the corral. Mm-hmm. Left you know, to its own vices. Yeah. 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 And, but then you get, when you, when you have that Christ connection, you know, you, you're able to explore and, and see things and, and, and it's like, you're always looked after. Like there's, you, you never want anymore. It's, it's a fulfilling and every, every aspect of it. It's amazing. It, it truly, truly is. is. And it's, it's been the catalyst of this show. And, and that's what kind of turned my tide personally, is it in my pursuit of education with horses and horsemanship, I thought of horsemanship as a way to make a better animal, right? I, I want to perform this, that, or the other with my horse, and, and horsemanship will help me get there. But then when you really, really start to think critically about horsemanship and the applications of pressure and understanding when a horse is in a peaceful state and willing to to accept any form of education and you really focus on that bond, um, mm-hmm. I start applying it inward to my own thoughts and my own feelings. And, and that's what this show was founded on. How do we, mm. how do we right? these people who have this community that has genuinely sought the horse for better experience, how do we make this public knowledge and help raise that, raise that bar of common, common education amongst horsemen? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, you're doing a great job. I mean, I've listened to your podcasts before and, and uh, that's a, a beautiful platform to work off yeah. of. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your support of the show, but like I tell every guest, I mean, you you guys are the ones that make the show. If there wasn't listeners, right, we wouldn't have a show. If it wasn't folks like yourself that are that are so courageous and coming on the show and sharing your testimony, because um, I truly feel that there's so much to learn with life and horses in general that, you know, if we could just take 1% from everybody on the show, then, you know, you're that much, much that much more better in a year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And that's the best part is like you said, uh, it's always the learning for every student. So yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is new for you or what do we got going on the rest of the year? I know we just turned the corner in 2020 and there's so much more life ahead of us. Uh, yeah. Well, there's, uh, you know, we've, we've been trying to save our ranch. So, not that life is without challenges. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, uh, um, you know, ever since that moment, uh, my life was changed. Uh, but, you know, the, the challenges never stop. Yeah. And um, in, uh, I guess, six years ago, in 2013 now, I uh, my my family was kind of swooped in by this elaborate scam that ended up taking my ranch from us and or my family's ranch and um uh you know i i guess on one level you know my whole family we've experienced people on vacation like that's that was our life Mm -hmm. is people were always on vacation they're always happy and and, uh, you know, it was easy to make people happy and you see the best parts of them. Right. And, 
Uh, so you want to believe that that's, uh, you know, that that's how that's people genuine. are. Yeah, that's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I guess a few years ago, we, um, we got wrapped up in this scam and, uh, where we signed up with a, a very reputable company from what we thought anyways. And, um, three months after we signed the paperwork, they went into receivership and, and, um, which forced us into foreclosure and, uh, ended up closing the resort, um, and, um, left my family scattered that winter. You know, it was like the coldest January in BC in, I don't know, a decade. And we were forced to move out an entire resort in, in 30 days. Like, in, oh my goodness. Yeah. It was just the darkest and most challenging time of my life. And again, like it was just, it was, it just felt like it was an ending. And, uh, we were able to restart like this, this news went across Canada, like it was national and, uh, and then people all over the world that had come to love the ranch, you know, were yeah. pretty rocked yeah. by it and, and that, that, uh, we had closed and, and we were left with nothing. Like, again, um, I was, you know, left homeless for a little while and I was so thankful to have such a wonderful friend of mine to offer a room for me and, and, a, a paddock for my horses and, um, we ended up having to sell and rehome half of our herd, uh, just to, just to get by. And, you know, we didn't have anything even to fight, you know, the lawyers yeah, um, yeah. or nothing like it, it was so, it was so bad. And, um, we were given the opportunity to run off of our leased land. And, uh, so it's unserviced land, no power, no water, everything is done by hand, but, you know, it was, um, a chance to kind of get back in the saddle and, and, uh, you know, try again. And, you know, we've been, it, it was challenging for sure. Cause it's a, it's a huge shift, you know, oh, even I was going to say a, it's devastating. It's not challenging. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it we was, be it was everything. Yeah. <laughs> I would well, be devastated. I don't know. Maybe you're tough or die, but I would be devastated by that news. Oh, I still am, to be honest. Yeah, if we're really honest, I, I still am devastated yeah. by it. But um, by the grace of God, we were able to to get back in the saddle and, and try again. And, uh, you know, we've been fighting to keep going ever since. And, and I, I wish I could say that, uh, you know, I never gave up, but... To be honest, I think I've given up a million times, but it's just you just got to come rider. back a million and one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's that 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 rider, that being, that Christ-like being that keeps telling me, just keep going. You know, like mm -hmm, you, mm -hmm. you can take a break and you can rest and and let it let your um, mouth lick a little bit. Yeah. And, and, but but you have to keep going. You have to get through this and. So, yeah, this has been um, an ongoing thing for us for many years now. And, uh, oh, gosh, I could get into so many different challenges within that in its own. But, um, you know, it's it's the reassurance that that there's somebody else more powerful in control 
that keeps me going. And because yeah, it just it would be so easy to quit. Yeah. And, yeah. But that's not not okay. It's like when you're right in the thick of the forest with your horse and and your colt and your you know, there's a bear chasing you and you're stuck, you're tangled up and your reins are in the branches and, and, uh, but you're right. Yeah, you're running you know, out of options. You, yeah. Yeah. If you quit now, you're going to die and mm-hmm. you have to trust me. And so I, I just have to, you know, blink and, and be like, yes, yes, Lord, I follow you. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just life. And you said it earlier, right? That life becomes so much easier and, I don't know if easier is necessarily the right word, but I, I completely understand what you're where you're coming from on it. It's just I, I felt in my experience it's there's just a lot less resistance, right? There's a lot less weight bared on my shoulders once I truly committed to my faith and and put it in God's hands and the opportunities that have been presented and I've I've mentioned this many times over on the show and every chance I get the opportunity I will. Life God has created so much more opportunities in my life. And it's not that I don't think that he provided them to me because my faith was better. I think Mm-mm. the better version of me became more aware as to the blessings being handed to me, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe at a younger age or more immature me would have thought that it was my accomplishment that I earned rather than seeing it for what it is, right? That that God mm-hmm. has granted me this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the perfect way to put it. I couldn't say it any yeah. better. Yeah. yeah, I I have to admit I was puffed up with my own ego, yeah. and uh, we all do, right? Oh yeah, On yeah. It's level. easy. Yeah, it's easy to do that for yeah. sure. Yeah, just like it's easy to quit. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. But you've obviously demonstrated the fortitude because we wouldn't be here having this conversation if you if you rolled over on the matter. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I I can't. He won't let me. So. <laughs> Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, Kateri, we have blown through an hour, uh, in my opinion, very, very quick. And it's it's great to get to know you on a little bit deeper level. You know, I know we met in passing at Heart of the Horse, and um, I think you did a phenomenal job. I don't know if I ever conveyed that to you. Um, entertaining and engaging the crowd and, and developing the horsemanship and people's better understanding of it. But uh, I told Nikki this after that week. I think that might have been the most educated group of people I've ever seen from a horsemanship standpoint. I mean, they were enthralled with everything going on. They were showing praise when, when huge steps were made in, in small, subtle changes in the horse. It was just an incredible venue, incredible group of people. Um, I feel very blessed to have been a part of it. Mm, Yes. Oh, me too. It was, oh, I loved it so much. I loved every minute of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in closing with every show, I like to give guests an opportunity to leave their legacy. So uh, the way I ask a question is, you know, if, if you were to give advice to somebody traveling down the path of life that you had just traveled, given your experience in life, what advice or what legacy would you like to leave with that person? Oh, um, that is a very good question. I think the legacy isn't mine. I I, I want to pass that on. I think the legacy is Christ. Uh, I I do believe that that um, I wouldn't be here or at all if it wasn't for Him. So um, it's that's really truly the legacy that that I can guarantee 
because yeah. I'm just uh, I'm just one of his trail horses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be one myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much again for coming on the show. We sure appreciate all the time that you set aside for us. And uh, what an incredible story. And we wish you the best with the ranch in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Please pray for us. <laughs> oh, we always will. You have a good well, one. And we'll talk you. to you down the road. Yes, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.